As we've just prayed for him, Pastor Dwight came down with the flu this weekend, so in his place, our brother Toby will be preaching from Philippians chapter 4. So please take your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 4. If you are using a church Bible, Philippians chapter 4 is found on page 923. This is what Holy Scripture says. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received, you revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruits that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, brothers and sisters. As you can tell, I am not Pastor Dwight. I am not the Dwight. As our brother Josh already said, we're praying for his quick recovery. He's not feeling well. And so I was scheduled to preach next week. So in the providence of God, the Lord wants us to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 a week earlier than our elders had scheduled. So we trust in the Lord's plan for that. So again, if you have your Bible, please open up to Philippians chapter 4. That's where we'll be. And as you do... Let's ask for the Lord's help in prayer. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent your Spirit. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is the helper, the Spirit of truth, the one who will teach us all things of Christ and bring it all to remembrance. And so we're asking, Spirit of the Lord, please come and guide us, teach us, and lead us now. We are desperate, and we are needy, and we long to hear from you. Oh, Lord, please come now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Out of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, I'd like to bring to you a message from God's Word entitled, Experiencing the supernatural peace of God. Experiencing the supernatural peace of God. If you've ever lost the keys to your car or the keys to your house, like me, you know what it's like to be in a frustrating situation of needing to access something or somewhere valuable and important and yet being unable to do so. Perhaps in all of life there would be no more frustrating situation than, imagine it, being unable to open up a bank vault. Think with me. There you are, the the heir of a vast fortune from a long lost relative. All you need to do is insert the key, Turn the lock, open the door, and untold riches will be yours. Well, you take the key, you put it in, but when you go to turn it, the bolt won't budge. The key you have is a counterfeit. The real key is locked away somewhere far from you, and you're left just as impoverished as you've always been. In our present day, it feels like peace is that priceless treasure locked in a vault somewhere distant from us. From worries over rising interest rates, political unrest, and even just the day-to-day struggle of trying to finish your work and trying to go against burnout in your life, it feels like there's no shortage of reasons for why you ought to be stressed, for why you ought to feel overwhelmed and anxious. Peace is in 
high demand, and yet all the while in low supply. And yet for the people of God, peace is not inaccessible. God has promised that he would give his very own peace to each and every one of his children. God's peace can be experienced by everyone who is a true follower of Jesus. The vault can be opened, but only with the correct key. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 will show us this morning that the key to peace is prayer. That the path to experiencing the supernatural peace of our God is prayer. Philippians 4 will make it abundantly clear that you and I, we can experience God's peace when we bring our burdens to him in prayer. So again, if you're not there, please do turn to Philippians chapter 4. To give you a bit of context of what's happening so far in his life and ministry, Paul, who wrote this letter, is imprisoned for his gospel testimony. He's under house arrest, and while there, he receives this generous financial gift brought to him by one of his fellow gospel workers, Epaphroditus. In response to that financial gift, Paul writes this joyful thank you letter in response to the church that had sent Epaphroditus, which was the Philippian church. Now, the Philippian church was a group of believers in Philippi who were sound in their doctrine. They were faithful under persecution, and they had no major sin scandals to address. And so if you read this book, you'll find that Paul's major thrust, his major instruction to these believers is that they ought to pursue unity and serve one another like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the last chapter of this epistle, Paul gives some scattershot final exhortations leading up to the words that we want to study in verses 6 and 7. So look in your Bible, look in your copy of God's Word, Philippians chapter 4. I'll begin reading at verse 4. Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These words are stirring. Now again, keep in mind, as already mentioned back in chapter 1, we know that this church, the Philippian church, was facing substantial opposition because of their faith in Jesus. They were not in a peaceful situation whatsoever. Again, back in chapter 1, 
If you read the scriptures there on your own time, you'll find Paul there explaining his own sufferings and hardships in jail. He's hopeful that he'll be released, but he's prepared to be executed. Again, not exactly a peace-inducing situation, is it? And yet, it's at this point where both apostle and church are not in peaceful situations that the Holy Spirit inspires these words to be recorded in the Scripture. Do not be anxious about anything. Brothers and sisters, what I want you to see in those words is that God not only lets his peace be available to us, but that he expects us to live in a state of peace regardless of our situations and not in a state of anxiety. This introduces us to a mindset necessary to experiencing peace. So if prayer is the key to peace, what we're about to look at is the keychain to peace, the lanyard attached to the key. This leads us to our first point. You can write it down. The keychain of peace, number one, reject worry as a pattern of life. Reject worry as a pattern of life. Now, it's helpful at this point, when we read those words in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, it's helpful to understand what Paul has in mind when he uses that word anxious. Here, the original word refers to a crippling fear. It's an incessant preoccupation. It's fixating on something to the point of becoming mentally unsettled and physically distressed. That's what Paul's getting at when he says in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Now, it's helpful as well to keep in mind the difference of that usage of the word here from other times when Paul uses the same word but with a different connotation. The connotation in other instances of being of having a healthy care and an awareness of potential problems. That's the type of usage that Paul has in mind in 2 Corinthians 11:28 when he speaks of his anxiety for all the churches, when he's speaking about his sufferings as an apostle, as well as what he uses earlier in this passage, in this book, Philippians 2, 28, of referring to himself as being less anxious. In both of those instances, the idea is not that Paul has some sort of nervousness or frantic paranoia. Rather, the connotation in those two instances is Paul describing a wise care and concern. The point I want to make clear to you is that there's a difference between giving thought and attention to something and being dominated by anxiety and stress and worry. There's a difference between having a godly precaution, like what you would read of in the book of Proverbs, and being overwhelmed with stress and fear and anxiety. There's a difference between saying, I keep a rainy day fund because 
I just have it there to meet unplanned expenses if they ever pop up. Versus saying, I can't sleep at night. My heart beats so fast whenever I think about how I'm going to pay my mortgage with rising interest rates. I don't know how I'm going to make it. While in the first scenario, we see a wise, commendable sense of planning, the second situation gives us a look of what it looks like to be gripped with worry. And it's that being gripped by worry. It's, by, it's that being dominated by anxiety. That's what this passage is prohibiting. I want that to be abundantly clear as we continue. Now, understanding all of that, when we read these words, do not be anxious about anything, we can begin to realize that Paul is simply restating what the Lord Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 12, 22, when he said, I, <clears throat> I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Jesus would go on to explain that believers have no need, it's totally unnecessary for us to live in anxiety or stress because God will take care of us. God will take care of you. Now, here in Philippians chapter 4, Paul is simply expanding that application of Jesus' words. Jesus told us not to be worried about having food, shelter, clothing, water, and the other necessities of life. And now Paul's saying, don't be worried about those things, and also don't be worried about anything else left in existence. Don't be worried about anything at all. And so as the apostles said, as the Lord said to the Philippian church, in that age, so it remains true for us, Grace Fellowship Church, today. Brothers and sisters, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, I personally find that so reassuring. I find the counsel of the Word of God so refreshing, as opposed to our Western society that has normalized anxiety and made it something that all of us are supposed to live with, even small children. What we're finding here in the Holy Scriptures is that it is not God's desire for you to continue in a perpetual state of unremitting stress. We're finding here in the Scriptures that it is neither for the glory of God nor to your good to continue in a pattern of worry, to live your life in a pattern of stress and anxiety. It feels like we sometimes forget that, though. We can be so bombarded by the world's narrative and by what our culture endorses that we forget our story as believers is different from that of the world. Our culture says that anxiety, stress, and worry are matters of circumstance. That it's understandable for you to be stressed and overwhelmed because you're going through hard times. But our passage here today tells us that though life is very difficult, as it was for Paul and the Philippian church, 
Nonetheless, God's word in this passage in verse 6 does not come to us as a suggestion, but rather as a commandment. Do not be anxious about anything. The Lord's saying that whatever our situation may be, being dominated with anxiety is actually a matter of obedience. And so the question for you today, Christian, is will you obey the Lord? Will you obey this command from the Scriptures? Do not be anxious about anything. Again, our culture would say that anxiety is a matter of biology. It's a matter of physiological response. It's hardwired into our DNA, and the best we can do is cope with it. But in contrast to that narrative, our passage and the rest of the Scriptures would tell us that though stress and worry have physical manifestations like increased blood pressure, that worry and stress and anxiety are also a matter of faith and unbelief. Jesus says so during his teaching on worrying in Luke 12 on the Sermon on the Mount. Again, Luke 12, 28, Jesus said this, But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And so, saints, the question for us today is will we trust the Lord? That when it comes to fear and worry, stress and anxiety, The question posed to us is, will you trust God? Will you trust the Lord? Now again, I can't stress how good of of news this is. I can't stress how fantastic this really is. We're finding in God's ancient and time-tested word that the human experience of anxiety is not a new phenomenon but actually a very old one, as old as the fall itself, as old as Genesis 3. We're finding here in the scriptures that God's people from all times have felt the crushing weight of worry for reasons that are common to all of us, like safety and survival, as well as reasons that are unique to a specific time period or context, like saving for retirement. And yet, Regardless of the contributing factors, God's mandate remains the same. Reject worry as a pattern of life. Now understand what this means. It's not to say that we will never feel an ounce of stress or anxiety as Christians, but it is to say that we do not give in to stress, worry, and anxiety as an identity. We do not give in to worry as a pattern of life when it, begins to, when it begins to bubble up within us. Brothers and sisters, just as the Lord would command us in the word to do not be afraid, do not fear, do not covet, Do not be sinfully angry. Do not lust. 
just as these commands are given to us, they don't suppose that we'll never experience any of, the, any of these crooked desires or reactions, but rather it is to say that when they rise within us, that we resist them. And so Grace Fellowship Church, the Lord is calling you to resist the temptation to be overwhelmed by worry the same way you would resist the temptation to be filled with jealousy, pride, envy, bitterness, or impatience. Saints, has this been your mindset? Has this been your mentality? No longer excuse being controlled by worry as a bad habit or as a personality quirk. Rather, confess it to the Lord and seek to put it off in his strength. This is the framework. This is the key chain attached to the key of peace. Reject worry as a pattern of life. Now we'll see how do we actively go about doing this. Look again at the scriptures, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This leads us to the key to unlocking peace. Point number two, the key of peace, experience God's peace through prayer. Experience God's peace through prayer. I wonder if you notice the dynamic in verse six there. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. Between those two words, nothing in your life, nothing in human experience is excluded. Paul's saying that nothing is to be allowed to make you anxious, Christian, and anything that does make you anxious is to be made a matter of prayer. And so it is true for us now, saints. Turn every concern into prayer. Let your pressures push you to prayer. Now, admittedly, it's at this very point that many of us get off track. It feels like it's at this very instance where many of, many of us choose to drop the key of peace and go away looking for an alternative. Isn't it true that often the first place we turn to when we feel overwhelmed is to Google, to our doctors, to our fitness routine, to our diet, to podcasts, to our self care regimens, to our self-improvement books, and so on and so forth, all in an effort 
to find ways to cope and manage our anxiety levels. Now, saints, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with appropriately utilizing the means of common grace to organize our lives and to keep our bodies healthy. Common grace meaning those good things which God makes available to the benefit of all people, whether or not they're Christians. I'll say that again. Common grace being those good things which are available to all people, whether or not they trust and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But never forget that the means of common grace are limited in what they can accomplish. There's a ceiling to how much good they can do for you. There's only so much good that an afternoon hike, mindfulness exercises, and essential oils can do for you, brothers and sisters. These things are more like a help rather than a solution in themselves. They're more like Tylenol and less like open-heart surgery. In contrast to the means of common grace, are the means of special grace, supernatural grace, spiritual grace. These means are uniquely prescribed by the Bible and are solely to the benefit of Christians. These means of special grace, of supernatural grace, of spiritual grace, are the means by which God the Holy Spirit encourages and empowers Christ followers to live spirit-filled lives. And prayer is one of those means. Again, I want to be clear. The things of common grace are good, very good. They're just not good enough by themselves. They're incomplete by themselves. Church, we need supernatural grace. We need supernatural peace. We need God's peace. And the way we obtain and access God's peace is through prayer. If you're feeling unconvinced that prayer is the key to peace, then I encourage you to look no further than to the example of our Lord Jesus. There he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night of his betrayal, the day before he would be crucified. He's there in the garden under the greatest weight any person will ever experience. So great is his weight that he begins to sweat drops of blood. And what does Jesus do in that situation? What does he resort to at that moment? prayer. Three times the Lord prays. Our Lord Jesus prays in the garden. And what happens in response to his prayer, Luke 22 verse 43 says that an angel came and strengthened him. Jesus Christ obtains grace through prayer. Friends, what is your first response to weighty, burdensome situations? How do you respond when it feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulder? Our Lord chose to praise. What do you choose to do? Now, as you know, prayer, simply put, is speaking to God. 
It's where we as creatures express our heart of worship, repentance, gratitude, and need to our creator. And our passage here in verse 6, again, look at your Bible. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You'll notice there that double usage of prayer and supplication. Paul is using two words there to communicate the one idea which is found later in verse 6. Let your requests be made known to God. So Paul is saying, he's trying to emphasize this idea that we're to go to our almighty God, our almighty supplier for whatever it is that we lack. We're to go and ask God for help. We're to go and ask him for whatever it is that we need, whatever help it is that we require. And we're to do that with thanksgiving. We're to approach God in prayer with an attitude of gratitude. A way to summarize the way that we're supposed to pray based on verse 6, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, is that we're to offer grateful petitions to God. We're to offer grateful petitions to God. So whether or not you've lost your iPhone or whether you've lost your job, the response to stressors is to ask God for help with a thankful heart. It's to make grateful petitions. Now, as a side note, if you lose your iPhone, if you lose your phone, maybe just leave it alone for a few minutes. Maybe just let it rest. Maybe just, maybe just hope, hey, maybe the Lord wants you to just have a few hours without a phone. Just a thought. That's for free. Perhaps. Now, when we make those grateful petitions to the Lord, how quickly the Lord answers your petition is up to him. And whether he delivers you totally, partially, or not at all in this lifetime is all according to his sovereign will. But the guarantee of this verse of our passage is that no matter what God's plan may be for your trial, he has guaranteed to give you peace. He'll give you peace in the midst of your trial by delivering you from it, or he'll give you peace as you go through your trial and you face it head on. This is the reason why we're actually able to pray with gratitude. This is the reason why we're actually able to pray with thankfulness. You might wonder, why would I be thankful if I'm facing such tremendous and severe circumstances? Why would I express gratitude as I'm asking for help? Well, it's possible for us as Christians to do that when we meditate upon who God is, on what he's done, and on what he's promised. Church, remember, your trials are not meant to destroy you. They're meant to refine you. Just as it was for Job and for Joseph, God means to bring about good even through evil and upsetting circumstances in your life. Genesis 50, verse 20. Brothers and sisters, remember that the cross is the standard of God's love and care for you, not whether or not he allows you to face worrisome situations. 
when we remember these things as Christians, we find that we actually have every reason to give thanks no matter what difficulties we're facing. You'll be able to say to the Lord, Lord, I pray that you would allow my permanent resident card, my permanent resident application to be processed. We've been waiting, but I thank you that even through the midst of this trial, you're testing my patience, and you want to refine me and make me more like the Lord Jesus. You'll be able to offer grateful petitions. You'll be able to say to the Lord, Lord, you see the situation of my mother facing early onset dementia. Lord, this is worrisome, and I pray that you would help her. But also, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that no matter what, no matter what happens to her, you will never forget her. You'll be able to go to the Lord, no matter what it is you're facing, and offer grateful petitions, thankful requests of our Lord. Saints, prayer is the path to peace. It's the key that unlocks the vault. Now I want us to look at briefly the treasure that's inside of the vault. Again, look at your Bible, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says that the peace we're longing for will be granted to us when we pray, that we'll gain tranquility, calm, and rest. And yet notice the attributes of this peace. Notice what they look like. Notice what this peace is like. It's nothing short of supernatural. Again, our passage says in verse 7, the peace of God, the peace of God. This is a divine peace. This is a heavenly peace, a, a peace that comes from above. Its source and its nature is otherworldly. This peace is the perfect peace which God himself perpetually experiences. And this is what the Lord offers to you, saint. This is what the Lord gives to you, praying Christian. Again, our passage says the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. This is a transcendent peace. This is a peace that exceeds human comprehension and supersedes the wisdom of man. Whereas our world only understands a peace that's dependent on favorable outcomes, I can only be happy, I can only be at peace if my life is dandy, what we're finding in this passage, the peace that God gives to his people, as a peace that's independent of our present situations. It's a peace that's independent of human outlook. It's a peace that can exist in any environment. Listen to what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way, at all times and, at, and in every way. This is the peace that the Lord offers to you if you would choose to go to him 
and prayer. A divine peace, a transcendent peace, look again at your Bible, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is a protective peace. It's a peace that will keep your heart and your mind from worry the way a bodyguard protects a VIP client from an attacker. The reference here to heart and mind is meant as a representation of a person's deepest self. So Paul is saying that at the very core of who you are, at the level of your soul, the Lord is able to defend you from worry. He's able to keep your soul shielded from chaos and raving thoughts. And the reason why this peace is capable of this kind of security is because it's a peace that's connected to Jesus. It's a Christ-rooted peace. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a peace connected to Jesus. This peace is exclusively reserved for Christians. It's reserved for those who have peace with God. You see, to be in Christ means we are those who have been joined to the blessings and privileges of Jesus through faith. To be in Christ is to be someone who is connected to all the good of Jesus, all the grace of the Lord Jesus by believing in his work on the cross. It's only this person who is in Christ who can experience this type of soul-defending peace. And it's the reason it explains what I said earlier on when differentiating between common grace and special grace, why the peace of the Lord that we're reading in this passage can only be experienced by Christians. If you're here today and you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all you're taking away from this message is that you'll sprinkle, sprinkle a bit of prayer in your life as a means of coping with your stress. It's just another means, another way to cope with your anxiety. I want you to know that no matter how much you pray, you'll never experience the peace described in our passage. The reason is because you cannot experience the peace of God until you have peace with God. The scripture actually tells us in Isaiah 48, verse 22, that there is no peace for the wicked. If you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus, understand that your choice to live against God, your choice not to obey God, is actually a declaration of war against the Lord. Your choice to live in rebellion to the Lord and his ways has made you an enemy of your maker. And there comes a day when the Lord will come 
and he will destroy and judge all of his enemies. And yet the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God has made terms of peace possible and available to all people. The Lord Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world to make and to secure that peace. Jesus lived a life without sin, never once disobeying the Lord. He went to the cross as our sacrifice, taking the punishment of sin on himself so that whoever would believe in him, whoever would turn away from their sins, would be forgiven. Their sins would be paid for, and they would be saved. The Lord Jesus died, and on the third day he rose again, proving that all that he said, all that he came to do, was accomplished. And now he calls all men to repent and to believe in him. Today, if you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot know peace. And yet Christ is here offered to you. If you'll turn from your sins and believe in him, you will be forgiven. You will have peace with God. And as a result, you will be able to experience the peace of God. Based on the word of God today, I call you, repent and believe. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and know his supernatural peace. For those of us who are Christians, it's clear. God's peace is available here in himself through prayer. And this peace can be found nowhere else. This is what God offers to us when we go to him in prayer and faith. I want to encourage you. This is a separate sermon, so I won't go long into it, but I want to encourage you. If you're thinking to yourself, I've prayed and I still feel worried. I've prayed and I still feel stressed. I want to encourage you, keep praying. Do not give up, but continue to pray. The lesson of prayer in Luke 18 and the persistent widow and in Luke 11 from the nagging neighbor is that God will bless the person who continues on in prayer. The person who perseveres in prayer, God will bless you and grant you the answer in time. It's true for some people the Lord is able to grant that peace instantaneously in prayer. And yet what seems to be most common for most people is that we pray and we ask the Lord for help and gradually over time he answers and he begins to deliver us from stress, worry, and anxiety. Instead of rising to a level of 100 in stress and worry, as you continue to pray, you find, I've only risen to a level 80. And you rebound back to your baseline of peace and joy, instead of taking months, is maybe only a few more weeks this time. You continue to pray, you keep on praying, you find you rise only to a level of 40 in stress and worry and anxiety. And you keep praying, you keep praying, and God continues to give you grace, and you'll find over time you're only rising to a level of 20 on the barometer, 10, until eventually you're finding you're not phased by your situation. 
Maybe your situation hasn't even changed. Maybe it's even actually gotten worse. But what you're finding as you continue to pray, as you haven't given up in prayer, is that you're receiving grace and you're actually experiencing supernatural peace, a peace that exceeds all understanding. Therefore, saints of God, keep praying. Don't give up. Keep praying. Our Lord has made it clear. His peace is available for us. The vault can be opened. And now we have the key, the key of peace. Therefore, I urge you, resolve that you will continue in prayer until you experience his peace. Grace Fellowship Church, pray as though God's peace were the only thing that you could have. Pray as though Prayer were the only way for you to experience his supernatural peace. Because according to our passage, it is. Let's pray now. Lord God, your word says that you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. We thank you that you give us your peace. Please, Lord, help us. You know the different situations represented in this room right now. You know the different trials that many of the saints are going through right now, the different burdens that are being carried in this room right now. Oh, Lord, we ask, draw near to your people. Give us your grace. Give us strength to begin to look to you and to give ourselves to you, to give our burden to you in prayer. Oh, Lord, help your people. Do teach us to pray. All of this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.